For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez. I'm your Libertarian Voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6 when I'm not uh, moving around for basketball or football. But the ball game's on tonight. Pre-game show starts at 7.35 uh, here on WSB. So I'm here from 3 to 6 my whole time, and that's good because we have quite a lively debate going on right now. Discussion. I think that... Our, they were being bombarded with propaganda from the top to get us into a big war that really has nothing to do with our safety, our national interests, uh, nothing like that. I think that it has to do with economic interests, with cronyism, with power, uh, big geopolitical power. Maybe if you say, well, the West has to rule or Russia or China will end up ruling and they, we're good and they're bad, if that's your position, I can understand that, but I don't believe the specific reasons we are being given for uh, this big war that Obama is asking for. He says it's a little war, but there are no little wars. You know what I'm saying? You get in and you got to stay in. You wreck countries. This is all coming out about Libya. Supposedly, I mean, not supposedly, we obviously wrecked that country and now they have nothing but trouble. And I see emerging this argument. I've been talking about it for a month. I couldn't figure out why Libya kept bleeping up onto my radar, blipping. And uh, because, and then I realized that they are, they are making it crystal clear that everything that happened to Libya is our fault. And now we have a moral obligation to go in and clean it up. But I want to read a quote to you from Lloyd George, who was the prime minister of the UK during and after World War I. He said this quote, it's like in old sort of you know flowery language from 100 years ago but uh i'll i'll translate it after i read it wars are precipitated by motives which the statesmen responsible for them dare not assert so they'll ne- they're never going to tell you why they really want the war this is the prime minister of the uk after world war one during world war one he goes on to say a public discussion would drag their motives in their nudity, these naked motives, into the open, where they would die of exposure to the withering contempt of humanity. So if the real motives of our so-called statesmen to start wars were exposed, they would wither and die because we would hate them and the statesmen so much that humanity would have contempt for them. This is what the guy is saying who just fought, fought World War I, which in my opinion was the beginning of the end, the real beginning of the end for the American experiment. There were other kind of, it was Civil War, of course, too, but World War I was really when there was the point of no return. 
And he was saying that's what, that's the true motive. So don't believe what they're telling you, what the presenting issue is. But I want to hear, I want to uh, um, go to Andre in Atlanta. Hi, Andre. You're on with Monica. Hey, how you doing, Monica? Good. How are you? All right. Yeah, I was just saying that uh, I don't think we should get that involved in this war. I mean, other than what we're doing now as far as the, uh, the air raids, I don't think we should be sending in ground troops. I think that Jordan and Egypt and these other countries over in that region, they need to deal with ISIS. When, when ISIS reaches our shores, then we go fight them or we fight them. But I don't think we should be sending our troops over there to, you know, to take care of these other countries. I mean, they have armies, they have uh, uh, citizens that should be willing to pick up arms and fight these, these uh, terrorists. You Do know, you think that we've had any role in making the terrorist problems there worse? Uh, I do. Um, you know, when you look at the whole, uh, the Iraq war, you know, um, and, and I'm not a Republican, but I do agree with, with uh, uh, Senator Rand Paul when he says that, you know, just about every time we go into a, a country and topple a dictator, this is where all of these problems arise, where terrorists can, you know, set up camps and, and, and do things of that, that nature. Yes. I mean, that's what's happening in Iraq right now. And We're Libya. Gonna... Are you familiar with Libya? Is that coming up on your radar? Um, because it's just I mean, re-emerging. Right. Now, I'm not too too familiar with it. I, I've just really been following more of the Iraq. Yeah. The well, it's new. It's only coming back in the news now. But in 2011, we bombed the crap out of Libya, didn't put any boots on the ground, and totally flattened the country. The the dictator, Gaddafi, was killed. Right. But it had one of the highest standards, if not the highest standard of living in Africa, which is hard to believe because I would think South Africa had that. But one study did say it had the highest standard of living in Africa. And now it's worse than chaos. It has basically a civil war, competing governments. And every article I have read in the past couple of weeks says, oh my gosh, we did this, we did this. And a lot of the articles say, now we have to fix it. And you're saying, you're right, that Rand Paul says that's what happens. I'm saying there's a chance that that's the plan. What do you think about that? It it could have been. um, You know, like I said, I'm not too familiar with the situation there, but, you know, yeah, but minding our own business is a good start. <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. We just need to mind our business. If, if like, you know, when, when 9-11 happened, yeah, we were attacked, so we go after those that attacked us. Now, But that was not Iraq. After, right. I was going to say whether or not we should have went after Iraq, that's a totally different story. We should have went after the people that was responsible. So Yeah, I mean, I that is a perfect to- example of not believing what they're telling you is the reason for the war they're fighting. They'll use whatever is out there, maybe even make it worse, maybe um, let it happen on purpose sometimes. They call it LIHOP, <laughs> let it happen on purpose. So there's uh, a crisis. As Rahm Emanuel said, never let a good crisis go to waste. But I think that these crises are sometimes created or allowed to unfold, even though we pay these guys basically half of the gross national products of the United States almost goes to the governments. A trillion dollars just on the face of it goes to uh, defense. And for all that, if we give half of our wealth, should we not be able to have uh, the protections that um that we're paying for should we not be able to uh 
uh, get that, get what we're paying for without making up, uh, uh, letting crises unfold. Like why, why did, why are there so many crises when we're basically giving half of everything to keep them from happening? They let them happen on purpose so they can squander our money for their own. Really, it's getting to the point where it's sick, in my opinion. Uh, I am going to go to Gregory in North Carolina. Hi, Gregory. You're on with Monica. Monica, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? I think you hit the nail right on the head. And awesome. Really, Tell me more. <laughs> what's, really, what's really scary is that the American people have been uh, bamboozled really bad. After the 9-11, it was clear that Iraqi had done nothing. Yeah, and his prisons were full like, of al-Qaeda, which is why they're everywhere now. Right. We destabilized Saddam, who kept the Shiites under control in Iran. And not only that, yes. we allowed the Egyptian government to fall, which has kept peace with Israel for 30 years. This was manufactured. And I'll tell you, Gregory, let me interrupt for one second. At that time, it wasn't like it was an unanticipated consequence. I remember, I didn't even read the newspaper back then. I just, uh, but my husband said it was in the Wall Street Journal. If we take out Hussein, we're going to have a problem with Iran. This was before the first bomb dropped. So they knew, they knew. Well, you know, here's this, and and the Libya thing. Same thing. You don't need to look any further than the Federal Reserves, Okay. They would not allow them in there, okay? And shortly after, he was removed. Oh, wait, wait. Hold on. People aren't going to be able to follow what you're saying. Are you saying that Gaddafi was not going to play ball with international banking like the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, which is like the world's version of the Federal Reserve? Is that what he, you're talking he about? completely turned them down. Yeah. Okay, and he, he didn't want to use petrol dollars anymore. He wanted to use... Um, An African um, gold dinar, right? Wasn't he going yes, to establish a gold currency? Yes. Yes, and shortly after uh, uh, he was removed, uh, guess what shows up on the streets about a month ago? What? A month after that. Dollars? Uh, uh, a Federal Reserve. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a central bank established right away. That's true. Well, yeah, the thing in Libya, also, he was Gaddafi at the time that we took him out, basically. He was actively cooperating with us to fight al-Qaeda and terrorism. He was actively cooperating, and his his prisons were full of al-Qaeda. Uh-huh. So you can say these guys are dictators and bloody and whatever, but we're droning people who we think are al-Qaeda. Why, you know, they're just putting them in jail, so it's a uh, tough uh, business. This is what I would say. I would say get ready for the return of Christ because these people are evil. Well, you know, I've been meaning to ask, what is, and I'm not like a big prophecy person, I am I go to church on Sunday, I'm Catholic, but I'm just hedging my bets, but I was wondering, what are the criteria for the second coming? Like, is it, are, do things have to get worse? Are they going to get better? I thought it was a thousand years of peace before the second coming. No, all this is manufactured, and like I said, these people are evil, Okay. So uh, uh, his return is at hand. It really is, because you are right on the money with everything you're saying. And it's just well, I'll here. have to do my homework on that. Um, but I agree. I'm starting to think that they are evil. I'm starting to think, you know, I, I go back and forth. Like, I almost wonder if there is this big, what Winston Churchill did say, there was a high cabal that you would not expect that kind of runs everything. Uh, are they? Are they just? Are they evil? Are they just greedy? Do they not really exist? Why would he say it if they didn't really exist? Uh, I don't know. But um, I am. 
going to take some more calls. Maria's up next and get in a little bit more about uh, the nature of power in the world today. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Check back off of this weekend for Kirk Mellish forecast updates and plan to join us Monday for Atlanta's morning news. Team coverage traffic updates every six minutes begin at 4.30 a.m. when you start the new week with WSB. This is Monica Perez back talking about what's going to happen. Are we having a big war? And if we are, why? Are you buying the official narrative? Uh, I'm going to go to Marie in Atlanta. Marie, you're on with Monica. Hi, I have the conversations kind of changed while I've been on hold, but number one, I do think you're right. We never should have gotten rid of Mubarak, Gaddafi, or should we get rid of Assad? We don't understand the Middle East, and democracy is never going to be established there. But what I really worry about is that I know that you're always kind of looking kind of conspiracy theory, at least a little bit, but yep. I'm in the public schools, and if there's a conspiracy going, it is to downgrade the United States in the mind of every single American student. And I am not overemphasizing this. In every reading passage, in poetry passages, in things that you would not think would be politicized, they are politicized. They have an agenda, and it is clear to anyone who's looking for it what it is. The trouble is that you get kids now... Anarchy is not far away in any country, including our own. And if they do not have a sense of what America is, I don't mind America, you know, learning the good and the bad. But we only learn the bad now. It is a constant bombardment of what is wrong with this country. We talk about bombing Japan in our history books, but we don't talk about rebuilding it. Marie. And the set. I got to tell you something. I understand what you're saying. Let me tell you. You think that I, like, go to the conspiracy thing, and maybe you don't. What you are talking about was a deliberate plan that is in evidence in the congressional record. There's a YouTube video video I'll post on the break with a guy named Norman Dodd who ran, who was the researcher for the Reese Commission in the 50s. And he discovered that the Carnegie Endowment and some of the other foundations made a plan to change history, to co-opt or create an American History Association in order to change the narrative. They went to history teachers and they asked them to kind of rewrite history and the teachers said no. So they decided to phase out the old teachers and create an American History Association and change, disconnect us from what was good about our culture so that they could move us towards collectivism and away from American individualism. It's a plan that has been in place for 100 years. And, uh, and I, I have, to, yep. The effect of it now is I have seniors and high school students that have no feeling of what it is to be American. And I'm No, not- and that is the point. They want to disconnect them from our history so that they stop defending the Bill of Rights and then we really can have collectivism. I'll tell you a little more about this. We can continue this conversation. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. If you're trying to get through, try 1-800-WSB-TALK or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. This is Monica Perez. I am your libertarian voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6 when the dogs aren't playing. So I'm on till 6. And, uh, and we're having a discussion, a lot of different viewpoints. I just got off uh, the phone with Marie. She was the last caller, and she's a school teacher, and she, she said, 
she doesn't always go for conspiracies like I do. And I don't actually always go for conspiracies. I, When the official narrative simply makes no sense, I look at the facts they're presenting and what the see if they're true or not. And if they're not and there are true facts out there, there are real facts out there, you can usually piece it together to a narrative that makes more sense. And it's not usually coincidence, incompetence, someone was crazy. That is not usually the answer to world events. These guys who make tens of billions of dollars personally or people who run governments with trillions of dollars at their disposal aren't just flopping around from mistake to mistake. They don't end up with foundations worth $100 million or $50 million or whatever because they're not achieving their goals. It's just that their goals aren't what they say they are. So it looks like they're really failing all the time, but they're not. They're succeeding. But Marie talked about how she sees in the schools American history being um, presented as a bad thing. And this Marie has been the plan, a conspiracy for a hundred years. And I talked to her about how Norman Dodd was investigating foundations for the Reese Commission. And I actually got the report at home in book form, but there's a one hour really fascinating interview with Norman Dodd. He was really old some decades ago when this was made, but he talks about what he discovered about the Carnegie Foundation and other foundations deliberately taking over American history to disconnect us from the values of our founders because the future was collectivist and America was individualist. It's so interesting. I just posted it on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com, and my Facebook page. And I'm going to get to, uh, got some great calls lined up. I just wanted to throw out three quotes that add to my um, understanding, I read a book called Dollars for Terror, written in 2000. So it was before 9-11. It didn't have truther elements to it, if that uh, puts you off. But it was about American uh, uh, dollars funding terror. And I got some, a lot of really good information from there and some good quotes and quotes elsewhere. But I want to give you some evidence, give you a lead. You can head down this road of why I think that the idea that we are in a war against radical Islam is not, is, doesn't go deep enough. We use radical Islam as a tool to create problems because we have a larger geopolitical purposes. I'm going to read you three quotes. One by Zbigniew Brzezinski, who was Carter's national security advisor and definitely one of the power elite at what tier he slots in, I don't know. But this was his sentence. Uh, this is when people were controlling, complaining about the Taliban in Afghanistan, which we funded to get rid of their secular government. Afghanistan had a secular government. Women voted. <laughs> um, Brzezinski said, which is more important from the perspective of world history, the Taliban or the fall of the Soviet empire, a bunch of excited Islamists or the liberation of Central Europe and the end of the Cold War? So he obviously thinks that radical Islam is nothing compared to fighting Russia. Graham Fuller, the CIA chief of Kabul, Afghanistan, and weirdly, the father-in-law of, uh, of Ruslan Sarnayev, the uncle of the Sarnayev brothers from the Boston Marathon bombing. His Graham Fuller's daughter's name was, when she was still married to this guy, Samantha Fuller Sarnayev. 
Anyway, uh, but uh, he said the policy of guiding the evolution of Islam and of helping them against our adversaries worked marvelously well in Afghanistan against the Red Army. That's what Brzezinski was talking about. He says the same doctrines can still be used to destabilize what remains of Russian power and especially to counter the Chinese influence in Central Asia. So there they were at this time, and no reason to think they stopped, planning to continue to use radical Islam to take over the whole entire what's called the Ark of Crisis, from North Africa to Central Asia, which happens to be the Ark of the most oil and gas in the world. <laughs> so you can piece that together in your free time. But I, uh, I'll read you one more quote a little bit later that drives home what, what we're really doing right now in Syria, Libya, and all that. Um, but first, I want to take some calls. I am going to go to Alan in Atlanta. Uh, hey, Alan, you're on with Monica. Hey, Alan. Uh-oh. Uh, hold on. Hey, Alan, you're on with Monica. Hi there. Uh, this is all window dressing, in my opinion. Um, I mean, America loves entertainment, and it's just like a magician. Keep them looking at your right hand when your left hand is doing something else. And I mean, right now, we should be looking at the unions, because right now they're doing more harm than any terrorist group. Right now, they're shutting down the West Coast. People are going out of business because they can't get the products anymore. They're shutting down oil refineries, which, hey, you know, terrorists could do with a bomb. They're just doing it with the law. I mean, you know, these oil companies should say, you know, we've got 4 million illegal immigrants in this country. Maybe we ought to give them your job. You don't think the unions would get violent and start blowing up things? And, and Obama's uh, code word for the union is middle class. I mean, he gave them all a, a, a raise when he, when he raised the minimum standard, uh, I mean, the wage standard for government employees. I mean, you know, it just... So, Alan, you think... See, I have come to the conclusion that it's domestic policy is the smoke and mirrors, that they don't care about domestic policy, that this foreign policy, the world politics, is what's driving the whole machine. But you're saying that you think that it's the opposite. It is. I mean, you know, oil prices are down in the United States because of fracking. They don't want that. But let's call Oh, I disagree. I think oil prices are down because Saudi Arabia wants to punish Putin. Yeah. But, you know, and I mean, why are the unions getting away with this? Gas prices are up 40, 50 cents a gallon. Why do we tolerate this? I don't know, but I'll tell you, Alan, the big picture, I think, with the unions, which makes me crazy, is in the 19th century, I certainly know in the UK, I don't know, I don't think here, but in the UK, unions were illegal. Then, when it became clear they were going to have a problem with unions, uh, you got, they got co-opted by the power elite. So, yeah. it upsets me because... Yeah, and, and I wouldn't object to unions if they didn't use the same cronyistic uh, methods of co-opting the power of government, which is really just using force and fraud. Hmm? I mean, if you don't belong to a union, you're terrorized. I mean, you know, if, if you don't, union doesn't get in the way and it shuts your business down. I mean, what's the difference between that and terrorism? Yeah, I mean, you're bringing up an important point, and uh, and actually, I'm going to have to, if it, I, I really started to think that the domestic issues were the smoke and mirrors, and I actually thought that unions had faded into the background, because you don't hear them that much anymore, they don't, uh, 
but I do remember hearing a, uh, a hidden audio of the SEIU guy planning basically what sounded like, and the timing was right, planning Occupy Wall Street. Like, it was a crazy, crazy thing. And I remember thinking, man, like, it's bo- they, they both have total control over the, over the system, either the masses or the middle class, the upper middle class, where whatever faction could cause trouble it it becomes controlled opposition somebody said earlier Lenin's quote the way to to control the opposition is to lead it and maybe that their real job is to keep labor at bay i don't know alan but it definitely is worth uh worth investigating i'm gonna go to ray hi ray and smyrna you're on with monica hi monica um just wanted to uh, make a few quick comments on this it's uh, been a little time but i would it's the first time I've ever called uh, any kind of show like this. But what's, one of the problems is that we're all groping around here on the forest floor and not rising above to see the forest for the trees. This is a problem, and these problems that we're discussing here are problems as old as the history of mankind and civilization. There's nothing new. And you can, especially in the Western world since the time of the Renaissance and the Middle Ages and the emergence of all of these nation-states, before America was even, uh, you know, a, a thought in someone's mind. And, and without going into all the history of it, because it's, there's not enough time to do it, but it was very telling that you made this quote from Lloyd George back after World War I. Um, if someone were to study very, very carefully what was going on in World War One, it was not a war of good against evil. It was a war about relatives fighting each other out because all of the monarchs of Europe were interrelated. And um, they all were subterfuging each other, making private promises, deals, and treaties with different countries, and sometimes treaties, double treaties, one with one, and the same uh, similar treaty. It was a complete fiasco. And uh, the uh, the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand was just the last match that lit the fire, and there was no such thing as World War II. It was just the extension of World War One. And what happens is I'm with you, right? Keep going. Yeah. Okay. All of these power brokers. It, it's much more complicated because there's no not one. I mean, a conspiratorial theory simply says, "Oh, there's this one big conspiracy." No, there isn't. There's like a hundred of different ones. And they all have different, uh, you might say, uh, designs and, 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 you know. Well, let me interrupt you right here. Hold on a sec. I got that quote because I'm reading a book called The Makers of War by Francis Nielsen. It was written in 1950, and it starts with, I'm I'm like a quarter of the way through it, but it's talking about the origins of World War I. And he does talk about what I have also discovered which is a lot of it was like Cecil Rhodes and the money powers. They wanted the gems. They wanted the gold. The Boer War was kind of a um, foreshadowing of how base the British Empire had become. So you're talking about the monarchs fighting each other, but I think there's a lot of evidence that it was really, even then, about the money. Well, the monarchs were uh, were the money dealers. Uh, right, okay. The Habsburgs, the Hohenzollerns. Uh, uh, and, and and you and then you've got the major banks, and it's not Jewish banks per se. You know, it's the, they're all most of them were WASP, basically white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Uh, you have the Catholic Church. You have a lot of intermingling, uh, conflicting, uh, you might say, designs 
taking place. But the problem is, is and this is the same reason that Hitler got to power in World War II in Germany, where my mother is from, um, only because these same power brokers thought that they could control him. And so since they, and they found out very quickly, because with a minority government, he was, he was allowed to become Chancellor of Germany in the early 30s, and all of a sudden he started killing, eliminating all his enemies, and then he was left to do whatever he wanted, and then the the then the, the crowds, all of the. the right, so bring it home to today, Ray. I'm with you because there's a trinity of books. Hold on, sorry. There's a trinity of books by Anthony Sutton, Anthony Sutton, called Wall Street and FDR, Wall Street and the Bolsheviks, and Wall Street and Hitler. So I'm with you. I, I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. And now bring it home. Now, okay. So we've got what we're currently experiencing with the jihadists. Hold on. Hold on. You're going to have to hold because I have to take a quick break. So hang on there, Ray. We'll get your punchline right after this. Breaking news, weather, and traffic updates all weekend on WSB, the WSB radio app. And join us first thing Monday morning for Kirk Mellish's updated five-day forecast when the cold rain is coming and when we might get more snow on WSB. This is Monica Perez back. Uh, I never, rarely have somebody hold over, and Ray said he's never called into a show before. (laughs) But he is on, he started uh, down a path that was encompassed a lot of history, and now he's going to bring home how uh, past historical experience, the whole reason for wars, uh, has never changed, and how it applies to what we're facing right now. You ready, Ray? Yes. All right, give me. I'll be as succinct as possible. Uh, we've all heard the expression, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, at least temporarily. And we've done this, the United States has done this since before the War of, Revol- uh, of Independence against Britain. And we've done, Europe has done, I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. So what's going on today is no different. It's just a different scenario. And, of course, we've got better, more lethal weapons than we used to have in those days. And uh, with uh, Benghazi, I mean, we, first of all, we got rid of the Shah. We put him in power. We got uh, World War One. We redrew the map of the world. World War Two. We redrew the map of the world again, especially in Eastern Europe. And Churchill gave away, literally gave away, Eastern Europe to the yeah. Soviets. Yep. So the bottom line here is is that we used Brzezinski uh, uh, was absolutely correct in talking about uh, it was more important for us to defeat Soviet aggression in, in Afghanistan and their, you might say, um, adventurism. Well, and it wasn't that, Taliban though. Was, I have to correct you there, Ray. No, we, we started that in like, Afghanistan. We made it look like, I'm talking about in the 1980s. Got it. But the bottom line is the Taliban was very willing to, to, to allow us to help them, but we installed the Taliban. And then when it got to, when we found out they didn't want to play ball with us, and then, of course, Osama bin Laden's part. Okay. All of that. And then the same thing, we'd go, we got rid of uh, uh, the Shah in 89. You know, why would the French allow uh, Khomeini, uh, Ayatollah Khomeini to come back to uh, Iran after the Shah was too ill? Mubarak, we did the same thing, too. We, we Wait here. Okay, so yes, okay. why? So you think Iran is uh, our friend because no, we trained no, the? I told no, we tried. To okay, all the lesser right. powers. So I understand completely, in. and I got. I do have to wrap it up. And th- so here's it in a nutshell: is that we use whatever tools we need to to achieve our big geopolitical goals right now. And these are my words, not yours, but. It's radical Islam, and it's being used for the same thing. It's oh, that the same thing that we've always really been struggling for, I would say, in the modern sense, and that is domination of Eurasia. It was called the Great Game in 1901 by Rudyard Kipling, and it's about battling Russia and China basically as the the number one 
competitor of like the peer competitors. We're peer competitors. We need to be number one. Uh, okay. <laughs> Lots more calls to come. Uh, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.